dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. There are many things that make us stop as leaders, things that keep us from really doing the job that we're here to do. One of those biggest things is our fear of death. How amazing then to follow Jesus Christ who came in order to die and to save us through his death. What lessons does that hold for you and me today? Hi everybody. Boy, have we had a last few days here uh, of going, being able to really go deep and understand what our mission as a leader for God is today. And I just really want to thank you all for your attention as we've, we've tried really hard to, to go deep into Scripture and to see this constant link. If Jesus Christ is the King of the world, that means that He rules. And if He rules, that means that He leads, right? He doesn't rule from the outside by crushing us. He rules from the inside by leading us and exerting this wonderful influence, the saving influence of His grace over us, over our families, over our world. And then he calls us and gives us this opportunity that we have, the blessing that we have to be the leaders that we are in our classrooms, in our, at our, in our hospitals, in our businesses, in our small businesses. You know, when you have that title CEO, you know, that, that first C, the chief, you know, aspect of this, holy cow, like, is that ever a beautiful and incredible title that denotes that you have a responsibility. So the question we all have is, well, okay, I am that. What role does my faith play? I talked to so many of you who turn to me and say, Father, we, we don't really know if I can bring my faith into my business because after all, the business is a secular thing. We don't have everyone there isn't a believer. We have a whole bunch of backgrounds in a diverse uh, setting today. How can I be expected to really bring my faith into that? And I like to say, you know what? You don't have to bring the faith directly. You can bring the faith indirectly. People say, what does that mean? And it goes like this. If you bring yourself to the job every day with everything that you got, with the strength of your heart and the conviction of your soul and the strength of your character, well, as you bring yourself into the workplace, you're going to be bringing your faith. So you bring your faith by bringing your life transformed by faith. And that life transformed by faith can then inspire and bring everyone around you up. And when they ask you why, don't hesitate to tell them. The reason why is because I'm a believer in Christ. That's why. There's nothing offensive about that. And then in some businesses, and I've worked with some of you, you've actually been able to put the values that you really want in your business into your corporate values. So like one, one, a wonderful business that I know with nearly 200 employees has as one of their corporate values that they will glorify God. 
Now, of course, that's a very broad value. It's, it's, it transcends Christianity, which is what's very attractive about it. All Christian religion, anyone who believes in God can ascribe to that value. And they actually made that statement because they said, you know what? We didn't found and build this business to then be isolated from what we feel is the real purpose of our business. And he wanted, he was inspired by different corporations that have done the same thing. We think, of course, of Chick-fil-A with being closed on Sunday and what amazing witness that that gives. Hobby Lobby, same thing. And then, well, why don't we do that in our businesses? We can, right? But at the same time, there's certain places where we can't. And we know that we can't. It's, it's still vital that we understand as a leader, whether we're the leader of a secular, diverse enterprise that does not tolerate or allow for religious outward religious expression or we're a leader and one that does whenever we're called to lead we bring our faith to bear and the light of faith is so beautiful and inspiring about our job as leaders that I want you to hear it loud and clear right from a Catholic priest the priest that I am in the name of Christ in the church that your mission is an extension of the mission of Jesus Christ himself. And the mission of Christ, we've gone through 11 different points on that mission where Christ tells us why he came. And now the final one, the 12th, and that is that he came in order to die. I want to read with you, and it sounds morbid, but don't worry. I'm going to get to, I'm going to get you through this, okay? Because it's not morbid. That's the whole point of it. But I want you to look at with me at John chapter 12, verse 20 and following. Jesus says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Then listen to verse 27. He says, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Before we go any further, let's go ahead and just start with a prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to help us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I wanted to pray to the Holy Spirit right after reading that passage because what we need to preach today to you is an aspect of our leadership that is especially difficult because it speaks to us about the challenge of accepting death as an aspect of our leadership. 
Now, obviously, you can't do much earthly leadership when you're dead, okay? Although there's the communion of saints and their influence in the world, that's for sure. But at the same time, like, you know, there's no saint that's going to be the head of your companies when you're gone, right? It's, it's in the hand of people who are earthbound. And so because we're earthbound and we're living this life, we say to ourselves, well, then what am I going to do uh, about death? I mean, death is kind of the end of my leadership. But be careful because, in fact, if that's the case, then the death of Christ has nothing to say about your leadership. But the death of Christ is why he came to this world. He came in order to die. That means if I'm following in his footsteps, then I need to be able to say the same thing too. I come here in order to die. Now, we, he lived that, of course, in a physical death of separation of soul and body, which then gives life to the world by the power of his resurrection. But we who are in corporate leadership or we who are in business management or we who are running our small businesses, we have to have that same mentality, maybe not obviously in a physical way of physical death, but in the sense of really looking at the gift of ourselves in all of its seriousness. I'm not called to die physically in my leadership. That would be the end of my leadership. But if I die spiritually every day, if I die to myself, if I really look at the sacrifices that I make for my people and for my patients and for all those whom I serve through my business as a real gift of myself, then all of those aspects become, in a sense, what we call the spiritual death of the leader. The fact that my leadership is really intended to be an act of service and that that act of service can come with the cost of great sacrifice willingly accepted. This is the path the Lord's marked out for us. And it's a path we need to discover how to live out in our own realms of leadership today. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org and subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. All right, so we're looking at John chapter 12 where Jesus actually teaches us that he came to this world in order to die. And so like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really astounding, right? Because we say like, he's the only one that can really say that. The rest of us came into this world in order to live. We wanna live, we wanna live forever. And Jesus promised us that we would live forever if we followed him. But he gives us that promise in its fulfillment by dying for us upon the cross. And he says that while we come into this world to live, he came into this world to die. He already had the fullness of life. He is the son of God ever living and the son of God who can never die. But he took upon himself mortal frailty so that he could show us the pattern of true leadership the pattern of what it looks like to really reign in this world. And when I look at how he showed us what that pattern looks like, it looks so different from a self-indulgence that comes from using our businesses in a way that can actually hurt the very people who are part of them or hurt the consumers who benefit from them. It's almost like we have a guideline for understanding how to judge our own leadership's ethics and that guideline is how well it conforms to the cross of Christ. All crooked leadership becomes straight when flattened against the cross. And that 
vision of leadership is something so persuasive, not only because of the power of his death and the grace of the Holy Spirit present there, but because it also makes sense. Think of it this way. If God has given us this ability to lead, it's so that by it and by the sacrifices entailed in it, we learn to die to ourselves and to live for him. It's almost like, you know, I do, as a priest, I do a lot of talks to moms and dads. And it always blows me away. The holiest people that I've ever met as a priest aren't the nuns. I mean, I love the nuns. Any nuns here present, please? <laughs> I love you too. We all love the nuns. But it's not the nuns and it's not the priests and it's not the bishops. It's the holiest people I've ever met are moms and dads who have embraced the nitty-gritty difficulties of rearing children and sending them forth in their life and then rearing grandchildren and who just accept that the grind means that, yes, their life is spent, but the purpose of their life is to give life to all of those who are underneath them. It's amazing the, the way fathers weather storms. You know, storm after storm and anxiety, they just rise to meet them in the name of their family. We all know this because when dads quit in families and they just give up, it's almost like the waters just invade the boat and the whole thing just sinks and there's catastrophe because there's not leadership, that's why. But when there is leadership and when that father says, I'm here and the buck stops here and I will do what's right for my family, everyone flourishes. And we all know the, the wonderful ways that mothers lead in the same way. The constant fidelity of their heart to the good of every single detail of every single kid. <laughs> you know, it's amazing how they think about everything and they work through this in the joys and the pains of the rising and the fallings of each day. It's like an accompaniment that just doesn't stop. It's so wonderful and so beautiful that I can't help but extol it. And I say, well, what makes it so great? What makes it so great is that when you look at parental leadership of families, it's all about the kids. I do, when I accompany, especially like young ladies, for example, all the way up until the moment where they finally find that husband of theirs and then they get married or when the young man is just looking for the right lady and finally finds her and they get married and then everything becomes not about the mar marriage, it becomes about the kids. And I think that that's an incredible thought because you just see it naturally. And when it becomes about the kids, all of a sudden we find ourselves doing all kinds of things that we didn't really want to do. But I mean, that we want to do because of the kid. I mean, who wants to sit on bleachers for seriously, you know, 15 years of your lives? Event after event, you know, sitting, watching the ballet practices again and again. Everything is focused on the value of that child. It becomes easy and life-giving because you, you're watching the life grow in that little one whom you love more than anything. But when you're doing that, your own life is disappearing. Every day that we give away to the kids is another less, one less day to our own lives. And we say, Father Nathan, what are you even talking about? This is how we want to spend our life. I'm I am, I get it. And I'm talking about how beautiful that choice is. For when this grain of seed falls to the ground and dies, it bears abundant fruit. And that grain of seed that falls to the ground and dies, it's you and your wife giving your lives over and over again every single day for your children. And it is beautiful and it is holy. And it is something that God 
gives to this world as an example of a place where we see Christ and the power of his death and we find the cross in your own life saving those around you. And I say that that same example is exactly what we then find in the world of business. As you, as you go to make, who in the world really wants to make budgets? Isn't that fun? Oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's like a, I used to be a roofer, right? That's what we say in Ohio anyway, roofers. As so I was a roofer, and as a roofer, I'd stand up on top of those roofs, and I would look down, I remember, it would, sometimes it'd be 110, 115 degrees on the roofs, and we're pouring down 500 degree hot tar, and we're slopping it around, and, and, there, and, and as we're up there, I'm looking over the side, and I see these guys going in and they're all dressed in their suits and ties and they're carrying briefcases and they're going in and out of air-conditioned buildings. And I remember saying to myself, man, do I ever wish I could be like one of those guys. That would be so great working air conditioning, dress in clean clothes, walk around doing important things, you know. And, and they get paid a lot more than I do. I'm just sure of it, you know. And I would just sit up there all jealous and then go back to my roof and say, one day, one day, you know. And now, now that I have, you know, after you are ordained, there's a little joke people make. They say, now it's chalices, not calluses. You know, it's a terrible joke, terrible joke, right? But at the same time, like, I, my job is now a white-collar job, and I'm one of those guys. I don't wear a suit and tie, of course. I wear my monastic habit, but I go in and out of air-conditioned buildings, and I sit at desks and at computer screens. And you know what I find myself doing? I find myself saying, oh man, I wish I could be up on a roof right now. <laughs> It'd be so great just to have a job where someone gives you a hammer and someone says, bang on that wood over there. And that's exactly what you do. It'd be amazing, right? So we all have this tendency of looking down at each other and, and saying, we wish we could get out of this. Because in both fields, whether you're working blue collar or whether you're working white collar and air conditioning around 115 degree roofs, the real solution to the problem isn't in shifting your job. It's in accepting it. The moment I accept my job, the moment I say that this job is the only job that I have and it was given to me by God and I'm going to live this job in the best way I possibly can, is the moment my job starts to become life-giving. Every job will take life away from you. It's the nature of work. It's hard. 115 degrees, you know, and after that, I worked as a garbage man in the small towns of Ohio, throwing garbage in these little communities, a thousand people, 3,000 people, they all have garbage, it all needs to be removed, and I'm out there throwing it in these trucks. Do you know I was throwing garbage at, when it, it was seven degrees outside with a wind chill of negative 10, and the garbage men were out there throwing garbage. That was me, and I remember doing that, and as I was doing that, I was thinking, you know, myself, people don't even appreciate their garbage men. So here's just the thing. Be nice to your sanitation engineers and they'll be nice to you. <laughs> it comes, all, all good gifts come back to the giver, I'll tell you what. Because every once in a while we come to a house where someone would put some cookies out for Christmas uh, for us. And boy, did we ever love that house and, and talk about those great people. And, it, you know, this is just the simple truth, though. As I was out there doing it, what was I doing? I was serving my community. What was motivating me? It wasn't, the, it wasn't money and it wasn't my job. It was the thought that people have garbage and I need to take care of it because that someone in our world needs to clean up a dirty world. And that's exactly what garbage men do. We're cleaning up a dirty world. 
And you're doing the same thing. But who are you doing it for? I know who I was doing it for. And that made it all the more easy. The more I accepted being a garbage man, the more I accepted working on the roof in 115 degrees, the more that I realized that I was up there to make this world go round and I was doing it as an act of service. And then it became life-giving because I was praying and I could offer up my days of sacrifice for souls and for the people who would benefit from my roof. And I was up there praying for them. And you can do the same. The moment you accept that you are called to lead is the moment that you accept that you are called to sacrifice. And it's the moment it starts to make sense how Jesus Christ came to this world to die. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org dare great things for Christ. So we all know that Jesus came into the world to die. He gave his life for us. And that that gift of his, his self cost him something. It amazes me because giving is, is amazing when you think about it from some sort of like, when you think about it from an angle where you don't really have to give. I mean, if I was just giving as a way of like social communion or making new friends, okay. But when you look at giving as you're losing what you give, ooh, it suddenly becomes important. It's like a little kid, you know, when you want to give, if they have something that's precious to them and they give it to you, boy, does that mean something. You know, I started my nonprofit work, the St. John Institute, and, and I was in a car with a mom and a couple of her, her small little ones uh, and the, the little kids had made an entrepreneurial event. They had started their own little company. And, and so what did they do? They said, Father Nathan, we're going to give you $1 of our income every month. And these two kids presented to me a dollar bill. It was a dollar that represented, you know, little in terms of economic power, but it represented everything to me. I've received many gifts in my day, but getting a dollar bill a month from these five and six and seven-year-olds who had decided to start their own business, boy, did that ever touch me. Why? Because I recognized what that meant to them, that they would never get that dollar back. And of all the money that they would earn, this one really mattered. There's stories of Mother Teresa of Calcutta turning down six-figure donations from people. And when they asked her, why are you turning down our donation? She would say, because it's not the, qu the quantity of money that matters. It's whether or not it was a sacrifice from your heart that matters. And this doesn't seem to be a sacrifice. It's something that's too easy. I want you to give until it hurts. There's something there that's valuable for us because we all know that. Nothing matters as much as, to us as a gift that mattered to the one who gave it. It's easy just to pass things around. But when you realize you're never going to get these days back again, this time back again, this era back again, and you give it from your heart, you've done more than just work. You've led. You see, you've done something where through and in a sacrifice, you've given life to the world. You've left a legacy of inspiration behind you. He, Jesus Christ came to this world in order to die, 
to teach us that there's nothing more precious in this world and in our lives than our deaths. The way, when we give something and we'll never get it back, in a sense, we're living a death. This is why nuns wear black and why priests wear black. Because we're supposed to be completely in a gift of what, a life that we'll never get back again. And we are joyfully smiling as we wear black clothes around. And we're joyfully smiling because we have found life in that death. And on the other side of that sacrifice, we found the resurrection. And there's nothing you could do to take away the sacrifice from the heart of a priest because his sacrifice is what makes him a father. And the nun's sacrifice is what makes them mothers. And your sacrifice for your employees or those that you manage or your sacrifice for your employer. And here I'm not talking about dumb things. I'm not talking about going overboard. I'm not talking about hurting yourself in some sort of heroism that's misplaced. I'm just talking about doing a good job. When you go to work every day and you realize, yeah, I could slack off. I could wait around the clock before I punch out, you know, just for that extra minute or two and then punch out. I could be a dishonest in a million ways. I could slack off. I remember when I used to work in the, in the roofing business, we used to take a break every morning and every afternoon just to, just to collect ourselves again. But what constituted the beginning of that break? <laughs> Some guy said the break doesn't start until everybody is there. So that was great. We could stretch out the break all the longer, right? You know, it's like, why go to work when you don't have to? It, if no one's looking, is it, a, is it a sin? You know, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? You know, there's all this kind of crazy thinking that goes on in our brains. And all of it does what? It diminishes the power of the witness of a Christian who said, I didn't come into this job just in order to milk it. I came into this job in order to give my life through it. My eight hours at that desk is very meaningful because it's eight hours that I'll never get again. And I'm giving it to what? I'm giving it to Christ. I'm giving it to my fellow man. And guess what? I do not give junk to Christ and I do not give junk to my fellow man. I am here as a servant to give the best of myself and that's what I'm going to do. And will you ever get that time? You'll never get that time back. So you may as well make of it the best gift that you possibly can. And when we do that, we exert leadership that's in the pattern of Christ who came to die. He, came, he lived so as to die. So should we. We should live as if we were going to die and to give through our life as much life from the inside as we can. This is a leadership that really shapes the world because now it's not about how much I can amass and cling to. It's about how much I can serve and what kind of legacy I can leave behind me. This is what it means to work as a Christian. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.